values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, depends on how old you are. Who do you hear when you hear it? Is it Rick James or is it which is it MC Hammer? It's Rick James, right? Okay, you said MC Hammer, didn't you? See, that's the age difference. That's the age difference. I hear this song, I think Rick James. I think Super Freak. Now, I like Don't Touch. You can't touch this. I like that song, too, but... Uh so funny the ages we are right jeff and they're not just head you're you're saying age difference between rick james and mc hammer i'm saying that who when you hear this song what song do you hear i hear rick james younger people yeah, i hear, hear rick MC, james okay younger people hear but, mc but hammer. just because they're saying mc hammer doesn't mean there's an age difference well i just think the generation when we hear that song we think rick james true well, that's all uh, that's a nice walk down memory lane. You made me smile on a day where there isn't much to smile about in the news. Um, we are going to talk about the border to start off the hour. We're going to do Did You Hear This in a few minutes. And then at the bottom of the hour, back to student loan forgiveness. Uh, the border has been an issue that I've talked about for many, many years. Uh, not when it was just popular and became a bigger issue. There has been a change in how Arizona and the country looks at the border issue. And I'm going to go back. I'm going to go way back. I began in the construction trade in Florida, in South Florida, in 1985. I also had a friend whose father owned agriculture fields and owned a produce packing house in a little town called Immokalee, Florida. It's uh, it's between Naples and Miami at the southern end of the Everglades. Uh, it, it butts up against tribal land where the Miccosukee tribe is. And it's a it's an agriculture town, and my buddy's dad owned a packing house, which I worked in in the summers. Um, uh, sold produce, bought produce, worked in the produce fields. So I have worked around people that have been in this country illegally. Um, back in the day in construction, there were people that worked in this country that were undocumented, and nobody really cared that much. There was a change in the 90s in the whole border issue. There was a demand of people that were in this country illegally demanding rights, saying – and there were marches. These were not my words. These were their words. People were going to march in the streets here in Phoenix, and they their words, we are going to shut down your hotels because nobody's going to clean your hotel rooms. We're going to shut down your kitchens. No one's going to cook your food. No one's going to wash your clothes. No one's going to wash your dishes. Their words, not mine. And there became then an adversarial relationship between people that had gotten along in the past. And the the government, the American government, had turned a blind eye to illegal immigration. And when you go back that far, you have to also recognize that at the time there was a reversal in how things were looked at. If you go back and listen to former President Clinton and what he said about illegal immigration, there was – An emphatic demand during a State of the Union address demanding more money for expediting the deportation of people in the country illegally that were taking American jobs. At the time, Senator Barack Obama saying that the American people have a right to be furious that the people are taking American jobs. Um, It was um, a Democrat from California, uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein, who said – who called them leeches, her words, off of the welfare system of the American people. It was believed by Democrats years and years ago that Republicans were in favor of illegal immigration because it was cheap labor and it was taking jobs from the Americans. And Democrats backed by unions were largely the people that were in favor of shutting down the border and stopping illegal immigration. Those roles have completely reversed. 
And I, I, I can't tell you exactly why, and I guess it doesn't matter, but that's, that's how far back my study and going down to the border and dealing with illegal immigration goes. When I had my business, I was part of E-Verify. I never, I can say very honestly, I never hired somebody that was in the country illegally, knowingly or unknowingly. I had never hired anybody that was in the country illegally. And um, I think you should do things the right way. You mix into this with my past, with the Cuban immigrants I grew up with. And I was with a Cuban girl for many, many, many years. Our families are still very close. We grew up together, basically. And our families are still very, very close. I visit her parents when I go home. And when I tell you stories about Cuba, I have heard them firsthand from them and what it was like growing up in that communist country. But what's happened at the border now is in a new phase. And the new phase is this. The cartels are running the border and the cartels are ruthless and are heartless and have no conscience whatsoever. People are dying. People are being injured. People are being enslaved. And we are allowing it to happen as a nation. So the governor said we have closed off gaps in the Yuma sector, and I believe that's a step in the right direction. I do believe that it is also a statement that is made that as a state, we are not going to sit by and watch the federal government not do its job and where the state can intervene legally to help the citizens down in Yuma or any other part of the border. Um, we are going to do it, and I think that's a good message to send. But you are putting your finger in the dike here trying to stop the flow of water, realizing that it's going to come crashing down on you. You're doing very little because you don't have the ability to do more. The cartels will shift. It, let's say this wall is a is a pretty big um, is a, a, a pretty big deal for people trying to come into the country illegally in the Yuma sector. There are so many other places that are open in our border that they can go. So what it will do is redirect them. Until we have real policy changes at the border, until all of us as Americans look at this and say we are not really a nation if we don't have sovereign borders. And you can be – and I try to be this many times. You can be two things in one argument. What I mean by that is I can say with all sincerity that I – admire anybody that is a legal immigrant to this country. I can also sympathize with someone that wants to come here and feels that they're in a desperate situation for their children where they are. That does not mean that I'm going to condone illegal behavior. I will say I would love to be a part of a conversation where we secure real security at our southern border, where we are we are taking care and we know who's coming in and we know who's going. We know who those people are. And I would love to be a part of that conversation that says, now let's find a way to allow these good people that are, that are, that are at our doorstep, that want to come and be Americans, that want to fill those jobs that Americans aren't doing, that are coming in to build our homes and work in the construction industry. We bring in loads of people that are doing the high-tech job. This chip industry, there's a new request for people to come in working in the chip industry because Americans are so behind in STEM education that uh, they're asking for qualified people from around the world to get those visas. But if you look at just the Phoenix area, look at the valley, how far we, we are behind in housing. And how we could catch up by solving so many problems at our border if we had a visa system that allowed people to come and go legally. 
They aren't taking American dollars in welfare. They're contributing to the American economy. They're paying taxes on the money they're earning. They're able to legally send their money home. They can go back home and come back to the states as they please with this visa as long as they don't break American laws and as long as they're employed. And every year they've got to renew. Every year they got to make sure they're well within the law. All of this being true, we could come up with that system fairly quickly. And it would solve so many problems. But instead, we throw stones at each other. So I've tried everything in this conversation from the humanity part of this with the 700 people a year that die in the desert setting a record. um, The stark reality for every American that is listening to this, that the border, the U.S. border with Mexico last year was the most dangerous land crossing in the world should shock you. It should shock you that in North America, that land crossing is the most dangerous. Not Syria and Iraq, not anything in the Middle East, not Africa, here. And if we don't recognize that and do something about it, shame on us. Shame on us. And something needs to be done. The history of this goes a long way back. We can point fingers, and we're going to continue to point fingers. But as long as we do that, we're not solving anything. We get you caught up. It's called Did You Hear This? We do it next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. All right, let's get you caught up on the biggest news stories. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. Yesterday, President Biden announced his student loan forgiveness plan and was asked by a reporter if it is unfair to those who have already paid their loans. Is it fair to people who, in fact, uh, do not own multi-billion dollar businesses that see what these guys get more taxes? Is that fair? What do you think? Do you think this is a fair comparison? <laughs> no, I mean, when you answer somebody's question with a question, you haven't answered anything. I mean, that's the oldest trick in the book to try to turn a question around on somebody. There are a lot of unanswered questions. I know that this White House is listening to people around them that think this is a great idea. I think the backlash from people that are unexpected, they had to know people like me, people on the Republican side of the aisle, we're going to have a huge backlash about this. But I think it's going to come from the independent voters and others as well. In America, we have a principle that most of us like to live by. If you have a debt, you pay the debt. You don't rely on somebody else to do it. And I'm anxious to see if I'm right on this one because that's what I see coming. We'll see. Yuma Mayor Douglas Nichols said the Morelios Dam is now covered by shipping containers helping to stop migrant flow into the city. It's been estimated about 50% of the crossings prior to the uh, the containers being in place uh, were coming through this area into the Yuma sector. Do you think the shipping containers will help reduce border crossings? I do. I think it's going to help a little bit. I, I don't think it's a solution. I don't think that there is an easy solution to this problem. I think that it's complicated and it's got to be much more all-encompassing. It's got to be manpower. It's got to be structure. It's got to be equipment. It's got to be uh, uh, technology, but it also has to be a policy change. What I do like about this is that we have seen an uptick in Yuma, and so they are answering this with state government and state funds to say we are going to send a message that even though the federal government's not doing much, we are going to do what we can. And in that regard, I think it's a good thing. You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time to catch you up on the headlines.
In a unanimous vote, the Uvalde School Board voted to fire Chief Arredondo after he faced criticism for the law enforcement response at Robb Elementary. When the announcement was made, there was a collective sigh of relief and then cheering and applause. You get the sense that there might be just a tiny bit of closure now. Do you think the school board took the appropriate action? I do. I don't know why. Again, the wheels of government turn slow sometimes. I don't know why it took as long as it did. Um, I don't like the response from the police chief. I think it shows even more why this man needed to be fired. When you say after this happened on your watch and the resounding opinions of people that are experts in the field say that you are the one who are pulling the strings and you are the one that didn't do your job and all of these children died on your watch for you to turn around and say, I'm not coming because I can't carry a weapon and I may sue. Um, it, sh- I, it shows a level of heartlessness that I cannot really believe. But to the people of Uvalde, that's never going to be over. But does this turn the page to a new chapter? And I think this is the beginning of that new chapter. The California Air Resources Board is set to vote on implementing a phase-out of gas-powered vehicles by 2035, and they want to be sure it won't be burdensome to low-income families. The proposed regulations therefore establish new regulatory incentives to improve access to clean transportation options for lower-income households and communities most impacted by pollution. Will these incentives be enough? No, and that's the we all we saw what happened. There were all of these tax credits for EVs, and what happened? The price of the EVs went up. As we need more and more of these vehicles, and we start exporting the mining for the for what we need, we're now outsourcing to Canada. We know we're getting a lot of this from China. We are going to see the prices go up, and that's the way the market works. We are going to see working class families get hammered by this as well, and there's no way they're going to do it in the time frame they want to. They They have an impossible timeline that this is a lot more about politics than it is about practical thought for a number of levels. I would love to see something done that moves us forward, but this is nothing but politics in my mind. All right, that's Did You Hear This for today. We will do it again tomorrow. Uh, Great job, Julia, as always. By the way, uh, welcome to the team. Julia is now officially part of the team and the producer of the Mike Broomhead Show. So congratulations. Thank you, Mike. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) Well, I told you this morning, first thing I said to you was, uh, careful what you wish for. Uh, You're now on the team, and uh, for better or for worse, you're stuck. So, uh, And you're doing a great job. So congratulations and welcome to Julia. You'll be hearing a lot more of her voice on the show uh, as time progresses, she's doing a great job. And you're a Cronkite graduate, right? Yes, I am. I, I graduated just, last May. I just wanted to shout out. We get a lot of very, there are a lot of really qualified people in this building that have come in as interns and have become a part-time and then full-time employees. And you're a great example of that. You, you do a, you've done a great job. You have a great reputation. And I'm looking forward to working with you uh, for, for a while. Thank you so much. I our, appreciate it. All right. That's the team. And, and so now you know who to blame. Uh, when something goes wrong, we'll get you Julia's email. You can send them to Julia, not to me. Um, but um, we are going to move forward and talk a little bit more about student debt forgiveness. I, I just want to, as we move into that conversation, I just want to point something out. This is the defense. Uh, a guy named Lou, who is retired because it says on his Twitter page that he's retired. Um, the defense and saying that this was a good idea didn't list the Democrats. He only listed the Republicans that he could that had PPP loans that were forgiven. Um, 
if you don't understand how hysterical that was and why those loans were necessary and to only list the Republicans will show you the absolute foolish level of partisan politics we'll go to to try to make an argument. It doesn't even make sense. But we are going to get into this. Who will it help? Who will it hurt? And is it a good idea in the long run? Next. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. We've been talking a lot today about the student loan forgiveness a story this morning about um, what you need to know and how your questions can be answered. Um, who qualifies for student loan forgiveness? And it's people that have borrowed from the federal government. Um, nearly 90% of those who receive relief and who are not in school make less than $75,000 a year annually. But the cap is 125000 for a single person or 250000 for a couple or a head of household. Uh, among the eligible borrower, uh, borrowers, more than one-third are over 40. Um, if you have a Pell Grant, you are eligible for uh, $20,000 in debt relief. How many Americans student loans, how many Americans have student loan debt? Um, they say there's about $1.6 trillion and more than 45 million borrowers total. Um, the average student le- student loan debt that's outstanding is about $25,000. So if you're someone that gets 20, you have almost all of your debt wiped out. Um, and this is the interesting part of it that someone has a- had asked me. I want you to pay attention to this part. If you already think this is a bad idea, how about this? What if I didn't finish my degree? What if I took out student loans and I didn't finish college? No problem. Doesn't disqualify you. You can still get your student loans forgiven. Are private loans included? Nope. It's got to be a federal government loan. Um, You are required to fill out a form through an application process to receive loan forgiveness, although the application process and any benefits may be indefinitely pushed back because of legal challenges. The administrations have have applications available for people now. You don't have to pay taxes on this. They are not considering the the money that you're saving as income, so you're not going to be taxed on that money. and uh, this will cost, they say, the taxpayers somewhere in the neighborhood of 800 to 900 billion dollars in the long run. Um, and this is another interesting question. I told you, if you haven't finished your degree, can you get forgiveness? Yes. How about this? What if I've already paid off my student loans? The debt cancellation is expected to only apply to borrowers who currently have student loan debt. So if you paid off your student loans, uh, you're out of luck. You're out of luck. I'm thinking about so many people right now that I know um, that either have paid for their kids' college or their kids have gone into debt and they've paid their debts. My brother, you know, his college debt, his wife's college debt. And it is immensely unfair to people to do to to do this the way they're doing it. This is and it's ill conceived. You've got uh, economists that are saying this is pouring gasoline on the inflationary fire. This is um, such a bad idea for so many levels. And um, I, I mentioned earlier there is a tweet online that made me laugh at the complete ignorance and how things work. Um, to make the point that it's Republicans that are against this, somebody. 
somebody actually put up on Twitter a list of Republican members of Congress who got PPP loans during COVID-19 that were forgiven. First of all, the PPP loans were forgiven and they were designed to be forgiven. They were designed to be a stopgap because the government shut down people's businesses. This was also for people to give to their employees in the form of paychecks so that their employees could live. That's what those loans were. Now, um, fortunately, I did not get a PPP loan. I didn't need one. Um, But we also know there was immense fraud involved in those as well. So to use those as a defense and only list the Republicans because they're the ones that are complaining now about these loans being forgiven is an absolute joke. But again, this is how people are. They get so politically entrenched that any ounce of common sense on the subject just flies out the window. This is a bad idea from people on both sides of the aisle, and I'm sure it's going to get fought. I don't know if it's going to if they're going to prevail or not, but this is what happens. Elections have consequences. It's one of the reasons why I'm not angry is I don't know what anybody expected was going to happen. There's I, I say this a lot. The promises made promises kept anybody that's been elected to an office and runs for reelection. That's a phrase that has to be in their mind all of the time. Promises made promises kept. I told you when you elected me that this was what I was going to do. And I have. Here are all of the promises that I've kept. And I will tell you very honestly, I think this president has kept his word on a lot of different things that he said he was going to do. He has. The problem is for this president is the results were not the results that he promised to go along with them. The Inflation Reduction Act is not is not reducing inflation. So you've just taxed people huge amounts of money. And then a few days later, forgiven loans for people um, also in the American people spending more federal dollars saying, well, we've actually lowered this and we've lowered that. You haven't lowered anything. It's one of the slickest tricks that I don't know if businesses are allowed to do this, but I don't imagine they are, that the government does. So the government says, Joe Biden says, uh, and the Congress, let's say Nancy Pelosi and the spending bills, because all spending bills start in the House. So Nancy Pelosi said, uh, for fiscal year 2023, we are going to increase spending in social welfare programs uh, by 15%. And we are going to have a 15% spending increase in this area. Area. And then um, they come back and they realize, well, we are going to have some budget shortfalls. So we're only going to increase instead of increasing 15 percent, we're only going to increase 10 percent. They call that a 5 percent cut to the budget. Check me. Fact check me on it. That's how the government works. You want to talk about a shell game with your tax tax dollars. We were going to raise uh, the spending in that department by 15%. But when we went back and looked at it again, we can only afford to increase it by 10%. But we were going to do it at 15, so that's actually a 5% cut. It's a great trick if you can pull it off. But if you have a company that people invest in and you have to answer to stockholders, they get a little angry when you play shell games, when you do that kind of stuff with their money. I am all in favor of people getting a college education. I don't like to see people – I can't say I don't like to see people struggle because struggle is good for people sometimes. I think it makes us stronger. I don't like to see people drown. I don't like to see people fall through the cracks. There's nothing wrong with struggle. 
Struggle makes you more appreciative of when you succeed. Um, so I'm not. I, I don't think struggle is the problem. I think people drowning is the problem. But if you're a young person that either took bad advice, didn't seek advice, or just made bad decisions, and you've gone into debt. I don't care what it is. You bought a car. I I told this story the other day. I'm not embarrassed to say it. As a young idiot, I bought a brand new car that I couldn't pay for. There was no way I was going to pay rent in my apartment and pay for my vehicle. And they took my vehicle. I had a vehicle that was was, um, repossessed when I was about 19 or 20 years old. I felt like a complete idiot. Car repossessed, cost me money in the long run, but I'm the one that made that stupid decision. I didn't get any advice. I didn't ask anybody. I just did it like an idiot. Now, because uh, we have this, uh, we have somehow raised the elevation of education to be something that's untouchable, um, why, what's the difference? If I had a $15,000 car debt that I couldn't pay at 20 years old, or I went to college and got a degree that's paying me $25,000 a year and I can't make my student loan payment, you tell me why is it my responsibility to pay someone else's debt in either case? The answer is it isn't. But somehow that's where we've gotten to. Uh, before we close it out, um, uh, a kind of a significant day for me anyway. We're going to talk about why that is coming up here in just a couple of moments. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate you spending some time with the show. I want to shift gears to something completely different for just a moment. And uh, this is going to tell the story, I believe, of the political divide in our country, uh, within even within our political parties. Um, so this is a, this one's a difficult one for me, and I'll tell you why. Um, within the for those of you that are not politically inclined, what I mean by that is you don't get involved in party politics. You don't pay attention to political parties, although you do pay very close attention to issues. Um, it's a very strange place to be sometimes because you will find out that you're allies with people. And then all of a sudden, you're going to be an outsider, and you don't understand what you've done to be an outsider or why people are so upset with you. And I found myself in that position on a number of occasions, and this is one of them. And it's one of them I sincerely don't understand other than um, uh, disagreements. Um, Today is the fourth anniversary of the passing of Senator John McCain. Um, I had a very unique relationship with the late senator, Um it was uh, – he treated me in a way uh, that um, I certainly didn't deserve, and I mean that in a good way. Uh, he treated me like a colleague. He would debate me on issues, and we had many different disagreements on issues throughout the years. Um, and he treated me like a colleague, and I was always shocked by that because he was the most recognizable name in American politics. And, and he was known, and I've seen him do it. I, he was known to have a bit of a temper, and if you crossed him, he got pretty angry about stuff. But we would disagree and debate on things, and he was always not just civil to me, but he would explain his positions to me. And we would actually argue about things, and I always respected that because I was just this new guy in radio. As a matter of fact, before I was even in radio, when he ran for president in 2000, I didn't get my full-time job in radio for the first time until 2009, but in November of 2008, I was asked to be the master of ceremonies for his last presidential rally up in Prescott at the town square before he ran for president, and it was the night before the election. 
And I remember thousands and thousands of people being there, and, and I, I didn't understand even then. I wasn't on the radio. They had nothing to gain by using me, but they were always so kind to me. Um, when he was diagnosed of being terminally ill, and they didn't know it was terminal at the time, but when he was diagnosed with his illness, it struck me. Um, but you know, the, here's the very strange thing about American politics. I didn't agree with the thumbs down thing. I thought it was the wrong thing to do. I, and I was very clear with that with him. We had discussions. Not that he was cared what I thought, but I thought it was the wrong thing to do in the thumbs down vote on the Obamacare issue. Uh, there was a personal vendetta between him and uh, former President Trump. I spoke out loudly against uh, what President Trump had to say about John McCain being captured and everything else. And I was very vocal in my disagreement with the way John McCain Cain handled some of the stuff with with Donald Trump. I said that I felt like a kid caught in a nasty divorce where you care about both people and you wish they would just stop hating each other. And hate's a strong word, but you know the dislike they had for each other. But in the end, John McCain loved Arizona. John McCain is a big part of Arizona history. But more than that, he was my friend. Um, and it was interesting when he passed and I went on the air and I began to talk about him as my friend and say some nice things. There, are, uh, there were people that would reach out to me um, that would say horrible things about Senator McCain and mad at me because I would defend him or say anything nice about him. And, and uh, I, I remember asking people, um, you know, uh, he, he just passed away. Why can't you just let him rest in peace? But more than that, even if you don't – even if you have that kind of anger in your heart for John McCain – you claim to like me. You claim to be my friend. And I'm telling you that my friend died. And can you not let me mourn my friend without sending me an email or a message telling me and listing all of the horrible things that you think that person did? Um, it, you know, uh, if you're a family member of someone that has literally done horrible things and that person dies and then you send an email saying well, that person was a horrible person, what does that say about you? The fact of the matter is um, John McCain served in the United States Navy. He served time as a prisoner of war and um, – suffered unspeakable acts against him and uh, the stories he's told me about that time in the POW camp he's told with a smile on his face um, and I miss him I, I miss and I think America misses him right now the foreign policy issues that are going on right now what's happening with China and what's happening around the world where American influence is necessary and somebody that understands how it all works is necessary I think he could be a great influence and I think America misses him um, whether he would have still been in the Senate or not I don't know but um, I miss him I, I, I had a, a great friendship with the late senator and um, I, I'm still in touch with Megan his daughter quite often and it's good to still be in touch with the family it's a tough day for them but it was a day for me that's kind of had me sad today thinking about that it's already been four years it seems like time has flown by uh, we're just about out of time social media users you can find me on twitter at broomhead k-t-a-r that's my personal twitter handle mike broomhead all one word on instagram is where you can keep in touch between shows we'll be back tomorrow morning beginning at about 8 a.m with the next version of the mike broomhead show until then have a great day everyone god bless